Welcome back to the DJ Sessions, where we feature the best DJs and producers from around the world. I'm your host, Darren, and right now we're on the virtual sessions. I'm in Seattle and all the way across country on the East Coast. We got Ms. Isis on the other side of the Zoom. How are you doing this morning? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good out here. You know, it's a typical Seattle day. And, uh, you know, I've been to Boston. I was there a few years ago. And I want to let you know... I've never been so dang cold in my life <laughs> when I was there. I was doing an advertising job for a client of mine and we had to put up wheat posting. So we're using this glue. And the reason why I bring this up is because I, I, you just did a show there recently with uh, serial killers and um, at Elements. And you know, one of the things you had mentioned on social media that it was cold and you were bundled up in a car heart. And, you know, it was so cold that I just remembered that it, I will that never day. forget. <laughs> oh, oh man. I just real quick that day, I think was one of the coldest days we've had here. It was like the wind chill factor made it negative 15 outside. So it yep. was really cold. It was gross. And I, I, I was so happy to do that show, but man, it was freezing. <laughs> yeah, I was out there and this is my first time ever being in Boston and I'm trying to drive around and find places to do this job to put up these posters, but I have buckets of glue with me and it's a water-based solution. So when I'm putting up the posters, by the time I would get out there and put up the posters, the gloves, I was, it would freeze my hands and the gloves and I have to go back in the car, warm it up, come back out. I had never experienced anything like that. So Props to you for DJing in that kind of condition. It sounded like you were bundled up and it sounded like an amazing show. Um, it was really a great show. Um, Elements has been going for 25, 26 years. It was started by Lenora Crook and um, another member. And Lenora currently is, is the only original member that runs it. Um, she's a woman. She's pretty, pretty awesome. And um, that show has never stopped running. Um, only a few times it stopped running due to inclement weather. So in those, those 25 years, it's run every Thursday. Nice. That is always at awesome. At the same venue. To hear at the same venue. Wow. That is, uh, that is something to be heralded. That is an amazing feat. Uh, you know, of some of our longest running nights, we were talking a little bit about it pre-show you know, the drum and bass Tuesdays in Seattle being legendary and always yeah. running. You guys uh, also, you guys also, that night is also run. I think Elements and, and, and your night are the two that started this same year and they both still are still a thing, you know? Yeah. It's always been exciting. Um, like, you know, when I was in college younger, gosh, I just got to say 20 years ago, <laughs> you know, we were going out to drum and bass Tuesdays. You know, I mean, that was the what to do in Seattle, you know, and, and you go out and it was a different culture, a different crowd. Um, you know, it wasn't your typical weekend crowd and it wasn't your typical electronic music that you'd hear all the time. But it was mm -hmm. there was so much energy, so much passion and, and 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 feeling into those nights that it just really created its own entity of, of that was the thing that you did on Tuesday nights. If anyone was in anything Nothing else is going on. You go to Drum and Bass Tuesdays and you had a great time, you know, especially yep. in the genre of music. So it's great to hear that other cities still have that foundation going on there. Um, taking it just a, a, a teeny step back, uh, Miss Isis, tell us more about your artist's name and where that sure. comes from. 
Sure. Um, I was a very studious child. Um, when I was three years old, I learned how to read and write. So after I learned how to read and write, I basically wanted to read any book I could find. And by the time I was about eight years old, I, lo- I loved ancient Egypt, Egyptian history. Um, one of the goddess, the goddesses I learned um, was Isis, who was the mother goddess. Her husband is Osiris and her son is Horus, who's the sun god. Osiris is god of the underdead and Anubis is tied in and Thoth and all these other people. I loved her. I love the wings. I love the, 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 the headdress, everything. And when I made a decision to start DJing, you know, I said, you know, what do you think about to a friend? What do you think about the name Isis? And, you know, I definitely embody that, that persona, that spirit. He said, yes, you do. But there are way too many DJs already named Isis. And this was about, about 2001. 2001, 2002, I was thinking about it, you know, thinking about the name and everything. And he's like, you know what? No, you should put Ms. in front of it because number one, you're from New York City. You're, you're a professional dancer. Yes, I was a professional dancer. I have a degree in dance performance from Harper Conservatory, by the way. Um, and I studied with Alvin Ailey for two years. And um, I would go to, go to out to clubs and I would battle B-boys all the time. So he's like, you're a B-girl and you love graffiti. So you're, you have all that, you need to put Miz in front of it. And I said, yeah, because that's exactly who I am. And so I even broke it down a little further because I didn't like Miss Isis, you know, and I found that there were other people using that name. So I said, how can I make this more uniquely mine? I'm a Miz. I feel that I'm very intuitive. I'm very intuitive. I pick up on all kinds of stuff, which is probably why I like DJing. And I'm a sister. So there you go. That's, that's what the name embodies. That is awesome. That is a phenomenal story. A lot of background on that. I, I can totally relate to being a child that was an early reader, an early writer, adapting and, and reading a lot of books as a, a kid growing up. And Egypt mythology, Egyptian mythology has always been at the heart. I always loved the, the backstories of that. So that was a, an amazing backstory to that. And, and being a B-girl, being a dancer, I, I didn't get any of that from your profile, but I mean, that's, that, that was, was no, that a while ago? You no, still, you still get out there on the floor? I still dance. Actually, I'm going to actually start taking um, classes with a friend of mine in Boston. He's part of Floor Lords, which is a pretty big um, crew out here, pretty big dance crew out here. And he does a um, weekly house dance class. And I haven't gone to any house events, really. I've gone and saw Claude Von Stroke a few, a few months ago. Um, at this club in Boston called Royale, but there's not really enough room to really do your thing, you know? And I grew up, a little background for me, I grew up in Connecticut and New York City. So I started going out to clubs in the mid nineties. I was around the real authentic culture. And when I would go out, even then I was in dance circles, battling people, house dancing. When I, when I figured out what house dancing was, I was like, this is, I, that's it. Because, you know, parables, I can't really do windmills anymore. Can't do that stuff anymore. I can't do, I can do a nice six step. I can definitely up rock my butt off. That's a Brooklyn thing, but I cannot do power moves. So house dancing was the next closest, best thing for me. And it made the most sense. And, um, there's not enough room to do that at a lot of these clubs. So my boy Schwiz, who I met when I first moved to Boston, 
he's a very amazing house dancer. He's like, yeah, I teach a class. I'm like, that would be great. So I'm actually going to start doing that. Um, yeah. Nice. And, and again, um, you're, you're really hitting my heart here because <laughs> I love to dance. And the one thing that I always found an issue with was going to clubs and there wasn't enough room for me to express oh, myself for the way I wanted yeah. it. I can't just stand there and. No, I can't either. I do can't. that the in the room. And, you know, I got to I got to be able to move and flow and, and be able to be around. And so I found myself in we would be the ones starting a lot of the dance circles. And granted, we were not formally trained dancers in any way. Shape. We're just all people just loving it and moving to the music. And we would have, you know, the football players from the University of Washington with the sorority girls, with the house dancers, with the techno dancers, with the goth. Everyone. It was just like a loving community that we yeah. all got to kind of express ourselves in those early days. But I always I needed that. room to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so there's uh, there's several famous people um, that going out in the late 90s and early 2000s that I, I knew from going out. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael Williams, you know, I, I, I've house, house danced with him a few times. He was awesome. Billy Brown, I used to see, or um, what's his face from Pose? I know I'm saying his last name wrong, but Billy, that guy, the main character in Pose, he is a New York City club legend. I remember seeing him all the time at like um, Shelter or Twilo or Sound Factory, one of those big clubs in New York. And yeah, you know, like Chloe Savigny from, you know, a lot of people know her from kids. She was around Vin Diesel. He was a bouncer before he became famous. He was annoying, but he was, <laughs> he was out there, you know, and, and, it's interesting because we're at a stage now where a lot of us are in our 30s and 40s and a lot of us have kids and families and stuff like that, you know, and I drive lived in Boston and occasionally I'll have on an electronic music mix and someone will say, oh, I used to love this when I was younger. Or like you get the 50 year old who's visiting from the UK and they're like, man, you Americans, I didn't know you Yanks knew what's up, you know, like. And the conversation just starts. I, I love it, you know? Um, so yeah, sorry if my thoughts were jumbled there. <laughs> no, it was perfect. It tied right into, um, you know, we're talking about house dancing, house music. And you know, you got two things coming up this week. You know, first uh, you got streaming with the proper sh Chicago crew. We'll talk about live streaming here in a few moments. But on Saturday, you're, you're gonna be playing some house, you know? Yeah, and, and a lot and of people don't know. I've spin house. Um, there's a few people that that know me just from spinning house and have never heard me spin drum and bass. And wow. then there's a lot of people that only think that's the only music that I listen to or play. <laughs> and I've loved house since I was a kid. Um, drum and bass. I started getting into. I was about 19 years old when I when I discovered drum and bass. Um, I didn't start DJing house though until after I DJ drum and bass. And just because there's a time period, I didn't really like the records that were out. Um, this is when all you could, the only format you could get was vinyl. Or, you know, if you were playing MP3s, you had really crappy CDJs you were working with um, <laughs> at that point in time. Yeah. Um, so I really didn't like the sounds that were coming around. This was probably around like 2003, early 2004. And I started buying house records and, and just slowly learning how to play that genre a little bit more. 
And then I got into techno, which I liked a little bit more than house because techno was very, it, it just, it, it didn't have as much variations as house does as far as key and phrasing and so on and so forth. You could follow techno a little bit easier. So at least I feel a lot of people think it's very difficult to mix. I love mixing it. So I use, I, you know, sort of intersectionalize spinning all those genres, at least the technical aspects of it. I brought it into my drum bass and I would bring technical aspects of high mixed drum bass into house. And it really has helped me, you know, um, other genres I play, I play dubstep, I play bass music, I play garage, I play down tempo um, and some reggae. Um, I'm not a hip hop DJ, although I will play hip hop mashups of electronic music. Absolutely. Um, and I did work with quite a bit for a very long time. God rest his soul, TC Islam, who had a chapter of Zulu Nation called Hipstep. Um, and I worked a lot with that organization too earlier on between, I would say, 2009 through about 2015. I did a lot of work with him. Thanks. And, and do you feel that the drum and bass generation understands the techno house generation or not? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I think now, um, definitely early on. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was sort of like you're a traitor if you listen to that music. But people get older and your tastes get more refined, you know. And one thing that I've noticed, and you'll find this with with drum and bass um, a lot of producers started to utilize techno in their music production. So you found that the BPM was going to about 85 BPM or something like that. And it would contain all these different 808 things or 909 things. Um, one producer who does a lot of that is D-Bridge. Another one off the top of my head is this guy, um, Dexta. Um, a lot of those guys will use techno influences in their music. Um, and, you know, um, in general, a lot of drum and bass producers, um, the bigger ones, also produced house. Marcus Intellect, um, I forget who he produced house under, but when I discovered that, I said, get out of here, because I buy his house records. <laughs> but there's quite a few people. Fotech is one. He did a lot of stuff with Dave Morales. Um, and Dave Morales, I love. I grew mm. up, you know, like I said, in New York City. So I would see Dave Morales and Hector Romero and Louis Vega all the time, you know, going out to clubs and dancing to them, you know. So and find out that those guys actually appreciate drum and bass, too. You know, there's an intersectionalism that's been going on um, early on. No, you were definitely chastised for listening to House. But now that everyone's getting older and people like going out and dancing. Yeah. You know, I can definitely, they're like, there's certain types that they'll say there's certain types of house. I, I just can't, but it's not bad. You know, you know, I've become more of a fan of the liquid DMB over the years. Uh, I really just like that kind of, I don't know. There's just something, it doesn't seem so hard to me, but again, my musical palette, I'm 48 years old this year. And so, you know, what I may have liked the boom, 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 you know, back when I was younger, it's like, <laughs> you know, and I'm bouncing on the floor and you're just rocking out. It's like, ooh, I'm just like, this is really, it, it's just that there's a mellowness to it that I feel that I just can, I don't know, relate to, but I'm also a big, I, um... yeah, I'm also a big down tempo ambient fan as well. Um, so, you know, like, I love it all personally. Yeah. Um, and, you know, 
when you find my mixes on SoundCloud on the top, and a lot of people get confused with this, there's two spotlights. There's one for mixes and one for tunes. And my mixes can go from really, I would say probably say atmospheric drum and bass. It's not quite liquid because it's not, sometimes it's not meant for the dance floor. It is, but not in, in the sense of how people in the United States relate to music. Yeah. If you go to the UK or Europe, I play this sounds, people are, it's, it's overwhelming when I go over there and play sometimes. It really, really is. But I, I think the American palette's a little bit different. So, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of individuals tend to like when I play either liquid or dance floor um, sort of sounding drum and bass or dance floor jungle or tech step. But I also really like dark, angry, aggressive music. I really, really do. I, I have a duality, you know? Um, I just like music in general. You know, music has been a big part of my life, my whole life. So it really depends on the mood. And in the winter, I tend to gravitate towards dark, angry. Um, I just finished up a mix for a crew in, in Toronto. And it's, it's pretty aggressive. It's a little more aggressive than my other mix where if you listen to some of the stuff that I released over the summer, mix-wise, it's very, it's fun. It makes you happy, you know, if you're, you know, it's something that you want to relax to a partner with, but this other mix is not, it, it's it's not. It, it, um, I, I love punk and metal and, and hardcore genres as well. So I was definitely channeling, and industrial, so I was definitely channeling more of that flavor with this new mix than anything. It sounds like something I would probably, I haven't heard it yet, but it sounds like something I would put on when I would go out and play paintball, when I go skiing, when I go racing my car. If I used to do all those things when I was younger, I'm going to put this in and just. Yeah, that's exactly. And you know what's funny? I do that. I'm actually, when I, when I'm, when I'm, I, so I drive Lyft in Boston, (laughs) which I'm going to tell you right now, you are absolutely, I'm a psycho. You, 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 are you, oh my God. I don't even get started on the Boston streets. How do you do that? Cause they threw me out there was, when I was out there two years ago, <laughs> they said, drive around the city and find out places to put our ads up. And I'm like, okay, cool. I can do that job. I get out there. And I tried to explain to my friend who was back East, who worked for the company. I'm like, you don't, you've never seen roads like this. You've never seen roads like this in Boston. It's crazy backwards. And these are roads that have been out there since like the, the 1800s. Yeah. And you know, and it's like, okay, and this is a two-way street. Really? Really? You know, um, <laughs> it takes a very um, sort of fearless individual to drive in Boston in general. Yeah. Some of the worst driving I've ever seen in my life in any country has or anywhere is in Boston, you know, and, and I, like you said, a lot of it has to do with the GPS. It, it can't pick up these turns in the streets. So a lot of times you're self figuring things out and mm-hmm. you're making dumb moves on the road. I see people making dumb moves on the road all the time. And usually my reaction is either come on, man. Or like, you know, I, I'm screaming something I shouldn't, I, I can't say right now or just something, you know, um, but I enjoy it. Um, I've met a lot of people involved in music and a lot of people that enjoy music from driving Lyft. 
Um, it's networked me very, very well, particularly during the pandemic. I mean, we're, we're on the other side of the pandemic now. So I wasn't doing it in the earlier side. I was home. The earlier side, I was home resting. The later side, I was, I'm, I'm driving Lyft and, and doing consult work from home. And um, I love it. I love it. When I'm not doing music stuff, like working on new tunes or recording mixes or, you know, my, my other work, that's, I, I get in the car and I just go do something and drive people around. And it's, it's always a fun time. Yeah. Is there one track that really, that you currently play that really stands out? That you're like, I'm going to drop this in the car. Here it is. Or that you play when you're out at a, at a show, anything that really one track that just hits your mind right now says, I try to drop this every set, or I listen to this in the car. Something or something. Oh, there's you a couple. <laughs> um, there, there. Are th I'm going to shout out three tunes. So one of my dear longest friends, I met them in rounds. I don't know, somewhere between '99 to about 2002 in New York City at a drum, a huge drum and bass rave, and we clicked immediately. We've been friends that long. Um, he is now a huge drum and bass producer. He's considered Don. He also started a school. I went through the program, um, called education and bass. His name is nominee or outrage. And he has a track right now that's out on Ram records. Ram records is Andy C's label. And that's huge. Andy C also somehow Ram records is, is affiliated with Sony. So that's, that's like, that tune I play a lot. Um, I like it. The, it, and one reason why I like it, it reminds me of the early 2000s, but it has a really new new sound to it. He's managed to keep an old aesthetic, but apply new technology to it. And that's, that's definitely his sort of evil genius right there. Um, another one, and I was just thinking about this the other day. I'm like, man, you know, I love when people take video of me, but every time you guys take video of me, I'm playing this one track. And now everyone's going to think that is all I play. God bless spirit. Digital is another homie. Digital and spirit backlash. That, that I, I always play that tune out in a live setting because it gets people going. It really, really does. And I remember when I first heard that tune, I first heard that tune probably about 20 years ago. And, and what I saw when that tune was dropped, people were, it was just like mosh pits and people were going nuts. And that's that's the kind of energy I like putting out there, you know. Um, I'm here to to rile you up and get you going. And then a third tune that I really really like. It's a little more mellow. It's very beautiful. It's called uh, Mental Aerobics. It's out on a label called Straight Up Breakbeat, and it's by a producer named Fanu F A N U. And he's another one that sort of has like online instruction and stuff like that. And, you know, I've known him for a long time as well. You know, all those guys, I've known them for a long time. Um, each one that I've mentioned um, and just seeing how they progress as individuals and artists, it's, it's inspiring, you know, it's inspiring because you look up to them, but then they're also your homies. So it's like, it's, 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 it's different, you know? Absolutely. No, it, it, it's, it's, it, those are three awesome. I'm going to be looking up all those right after the show. Yeah. Captive and, is and a good tune. I think, you know, mental aerobics fanu is a brilliant producer and one thing i will definitely say with him he is a genius at taking very heavy drums and heavy bass but then putting like 
this beautiful pad over it. You don't even notice how heavy mm. the music is. Yeah, it's really mm. good. And he has like, um, it has, um, I don't want, no, it has footworky sort of elements in it. So yeah, it's a really good tune. Yeah, one, one of mine that always gets me going. I just remember being on the dance floor one time with this and it always gets a good reaction when we're driving around our mobile studio through the streets of Seattle because we have like a concert grade sound system on the back of this glass box mobile DJ booth truck that we do is um, Tarantula by Pendulum. I mean, that just is that one just makes me I don't care where I'm at or what I'm doing. I will lose my shit. I will, you know, and and I mean, there's a lot of great songs out there, but it's that one in this playlist. It's somehow I I haven't updated my this is so sad. I haven't updated my songs on my phone for probably nine years. Was yeah, I I, mean, I'm, I, I I've like I have twelve hundred songs because I always listen to one of my other favorite internet stations when I'm in the car by uh, Soma FM, Groove Salad by Soma FM, which is my down tempo ambient, it's like my new classical station. You know, put on the candles, get in the bath, chill. <laughs> like, here you go. You know, I, I I got a lot of sade in there, but you know, it goes to Groove Salad a lot. But you probably have some DJ Cam in there too, yeah. and Massive Attack, massive and tons of Massive Attack. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, but when this pen, when, when that comes on, I just, I just remember when, uh, I just love that. That's that anger kind of, let's get it out. Let's get going. You know? Yeah. So it's funny you mentioned, um, as you know, this past summer was one of the first summers we were all able to go to festivals and go mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. and everything was reopened. And I think it was this festival subculture. Um, it's, it's, it, Upstate New York, but it's run by a local crew here. They also uh, run American Grime, um, which is an American-based um, UK grime collective. And it's run by a friend of mine, Mike Savant. Um, he's amazing. Someone at his festival played that track. And I think I was sitting down. I ran up to the DJ booth and made them rewind it just because I hadn't heard it in so long. And they played it and people were just coming out just wilding and yeah yeah i mean you know it's one of those tunes when you especially if you don't hear it in a very long time and it hits you at the right moment it's explosive it's yeah. explosive yeah very 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 explosive and oh yeah i can't wait to to more shows where we have a very heavy schedule we're looking at this year um, you know, we got Ultra, we got Vegas, we got EDC, we got Sonar, we got ADE coming up, you know, that we're looking to actually finally, we love the virtual sessions and what we do. And it's, it's given us the ability to talk with a lot more people around the world because now they're using Zoom or they're into live streaming, which we'll talk about in just a few moments. But getting back to being on the ground and being in a festival or environment, I, I recently, last year, I went to New York for my first time. And I went to the Brooklyn Mirage and that I saw, we saw Lane 8, Lay Youth and one of our resident DJs, Lucy Tudor opened up for them and nice. uh, went there. And that changed my perspective on nightclubs and what I saw. And I'll still never forget the first time I got to see Manhattan from across the way out of Brooklyn and, and how, what happened in that moment. It was, it was so serendipitous, but that kind of changed my experience, right? But I, I didn't get out much. I've been like native living here my whole life, but I have started to get out to more festivals and more events. And now we got this heavy press 
run that we're doing with all the major festivals and getting out back and being a part of that again is going to be so awesome and energetic to see that coming back. Um, we know yeah. it's coming back. It's going to be out there again, you know? Um, so speaking about big stuff, talking about DJs as a whole, you know, it's happy national DJ day is what I saw you just post on, on your, on your socials. Um, is it is there? I didn't know there was an actual national DJ day. Is that, that's a real yeah. thing. I forgot too. And um, one of my friends, um, Q Boogie out of Connecticut, she's an amazing um, hip hop house. I should probably just say open format DJ, but she's amazing. She started a night um, about 10, 12 years ago called the Ultimate DJ Showcase in Connecticut. And that was great because um, New England doesn't seem like it really has much going on. I mean, you have New York and Boston, but then you have Connecticut, you have other parts of Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont. There are a lot of DJs and producers in this area. And what she did for Hartford or Connecticut in general, she brought together a lot of DJs from all kinds of genres together to basically do a showcase, you know, 30 minute showcase of their, of their tunes or, or tunes or whatever. And she's starting a new initiative called the female DJ um, initiative or female DJ something association. association. Yeah. Association. Sorry about that. Q. No, Don't uh, hate me. <laughs> I got, I, I, I got my notes. I got my notes because <laughs> I want to talk with you about this. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I saw the picture today and I said, oh yeah, today's national DJ day. So I wanted to share that. Um, and the other lady that's on there, her name is DJ lover, another amazing DJ from Connecticut. Um, there are, there are three, there are four of us four, actually five, um, five sort of like staple woman in Connecticut. Um, another one is break I got to shout her out because she was a mentor to me for many years. Um, and then Deja Dana, um, that Dana game uh, in New Haven, she was actually a professional model. And I remember seeing her um, because there weren't many black women or women of, I used to look up to you when I was a kid and she's now an amazing DJ. So, um, and then there's one more Madam Butterfly, who's a techno legend um, in the United States. If you do follow that sound, she's in Connecticut as well. So you know, that night definitely brought a lot of us together and I'm looking forward to helping her with that initiative. There's other things that I do with women in electronic music as well. Um, about, it's about 10 years now. Wow. 10 years ago, um, I got hit up by two very prominent bass music and drum bass DJs in Canada. Um, DJ Swat, who's uh, now Kilma and Jams. And they were looking to expand DMB girls out of Canada into the United States. And they wanted to bring me on board for being the U.S. manager. Um, they brought myself on board and then we brought on board Iris to do our marketing and um, digital media. And then we brought on um, um, another member who's now um, co-U.S. Uh, manager as well. Um, so, Yeah. I enjoy working a lot with that and, you know, diversity clauses and, you know, anti-racism clauses, which does happen in electronic music, working against sexism and homo 
homophobia and transphobia as well. Um, just anything that is our culture is not about. Our culture is never about racism or transphobia or anything like that. So anything to preserve what it really was about, I'm going to be involved in. Yeah, and I wanted to talk with you about DMB Girls. I went to the website, a wonderful lineup. I mean, I actually pinged my my assistant to say, go get interviews with all these people. This is awesome. Um, because there was something that I came across in 2017. You may have heard of it. Not sure if you have or not, but there was a movie, a documentary that came out called Amplify Her. Her, yeah. And we actually, we actually really promoted that film too. I know Jams was involved in some capacity with that. Um, there's another group that we do collaborate with, and I think that they were involved with Amplify Her. Um, mm. It's EQ50. They're a London-based collective, and they they do sort of the same thing too. Um, but their work is really tremendous because tremendous because they work a lot with like Mix Mag and DJ Mag and stuff like that. So they get, you know, they're at the forefront. But these things are so important. You know, Amplify Her is a great film. It has a lot of uh, women that I've looked up to for years in it. And, you know, some of the things that they talk about are true. I've experienced it. Other women have experienced it. The cool thing about now is that a lot more younger women will not experience it. But if they do, they have us to help them and yep. sort of be the, a guard and look out for them. Mm -hmm. which a lot of us didn't have that, that when we were coming up. We were on our own, man. We really were. Like, yeah. And, and, and that's what, I mean, over the years, obviously doing a show like what I've been doing, even being in the electronic music scene for so many years, you know, I saw it always, we always had a lot of male DJs coming on the show and, you know, I wanted to reach out in my own community and say, Hey, we should start, let's start reaching out and saying, come on, come on. Don't be afraid. Come on. It's, it's an open door. Everyone can come play. There's no favoritism behind our model. I mean, the, the DJ sessions was created to be an open door for anyone that wanted to come play and knock on our door. It was, I don't say it's open tables, but it's basically open tables. You know, if you can play and you're halfway decent, come play on our show, whether you're small or, or, or a big name DJ, we want to work with everyone. But what really triggered what really got me in a sense was when I saw this film and they were actually debuting Amplify Her at a small festival here in, in Washington before it had ever got released. And just the story and it just inspired me even more to take up that cause, take up that that mission of, of reaching out and making sure that there was equality or, or you know, that there was uh, safe spaces to go, you know, being a male producer, you know, over the years, I've even been, you know, you, you have hostesses or people that want to work in your show and you get the, the negative vibe from people saying, Oh, how do you know he's not a porn producer? Or how do you know he's not trying to get in your bit pan? And it's like, why don't you come meet the guy? And I'd say, bring your parents to the studio. I have no problem meeting your parents. They can check out our opera, see what we're all about, make sure we're legit because of that stigma that's been put out there for so many years. And, and it does, like you said, doesn't have as much anymore because it's been exposed, but what, you know, you and your friends and the people there paved that way to make sure. I think that's a very important topic to address and keep addressing and keep it going. Um, even into, you know, where you say, you know, it, it goes into the trans or into the LGBTQIA plus. I hope I got all those in there. Um, into that realm as well. I think it's, it's, it's music is music. And I don't think it should be, 
it, it shouldn't have that stigmatism placed no, upon it. It really, really it's unfortunate. You know, I, 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 you know, if, if you're not strong, I, I hate saying that because in order for you, everyone's strong in a sense, but if you're, if you allow this to really get to you, it can really get to you. And there are quite a few people I know who have just said, I've, I've had enough who have quit, you know, because of, of not having a support system or other resources to help keep them going. And, you know, there have been times where other individuals have made it hard for me to want to continue, but you know, that little voice or other individuals will say, don't let them, don't let them get you down, you know? And I didn't, and I still will refuse to, no matter what happens. Yeah. And and one of those tough things is, you know, you're already putting a lot of energy into what you do to have an energy drainer or something being taken away or, or somebody that's preventing you from moving to that next level, or they sell you down a pathway that lets you think you're going to get to this next level when really they have no way of getting you there whatsoever. And then you end up burning yourself out and you could be an amazing talent, but you're like, I'm just going to go work for Amazon. Now, I don't have anything wrong against Amazon. I'm not blaming it, <laughs> but you know, I'm going to go work for a, a, I'm going to throw away my, my passion and because I got stifled because I got held right. back or because, you know, the opportunities weren't there. And, um, you know, I'm bringing on a phenomenal DJ. Can't, can't say anything about it right now, but she's phenomenal. She, she just takes everything by the reins and runs with it and books her on tours and books her on shows. And I'm, we're so happy. We're going to be bringing her on board. Can't, the ink is drying on the paperwork as of right now, but super excited to, to encourage that and be somewhere that they can feel there's a, an outlet or a place for people to share and collectively grow together um, with, without those barriers being there. So yeah, I, I, I'm glad you had heard about the movie Amplify Hair. I was excited yeah. when that came out. Um, yeah. And you know, um, I, one of the things that I did when I first started playing out, so I learned how to DJ 2002 I was not letting anyone book me for two years just because when I came out I wanted to be and I I, I did it I did that um I started a night also called Threshold Sound in 2004 and one of the things that I wanted to do was give people a chance you know there wasn't it wasn't so much that they were just men you know that are getting booked but it was the same dudes all the time and they weren't even giving their younger male peers a chance so i said you know what you guys can come play at my night and that's what i did you know i i would just put people on that love this music and and you you had a good mix and you would promote the night you would come play for me and there there are a lot of younger men you know or men in general that i've mentored as well and helped out you know it's it's more or less just helping out people not even the underdog or the overdog just helping out people you know and i love being a networker i love connecting to people together that have a similar mission um i love seeing other people grow um right now i'm seeing a lot of younger peers that i've known that were fans now start to dj and you know if it were a different era a lot of people would hate on it me i'm like come on let's go we need more let's go let's go I I was just going to ask you, do you feel you're an inspiration to others? And you just answered my question right there. You know, people that listen to you, that grew up and said, I want to DJ and they're influenced by you. I still haven't learned how to DJ yet after doing a show for so long, but 
I am into AR or VR and AR. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, I might actually learn how to DJ in VR here shortly. <laughs> um, we'll talk about that in a second. But, um, you know, uh, I forgot to mention, though, you're from Connecticut. Are you from Connecticut? I'm from New York City originally. New York. Yeah. Okay. And I lived in Connecticut. Um, I moved to Connecticut in 10th grade, in the middle of 10th okay. grade. And then um, after I graduated Hartford Conservatory, which was a two-year program, I moved back to New York and studied okay. with Alvin for two years, um, eventually leaving New York around 2001 um, and coming home. And then um, I picked up DJing after that. The, the reason why I asked is my dad's from Bridgeport. <laughs> so, ah, I know Bridgeport very well. I lived in New Haven, so. Yeah, so I was, I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Uh, I don't visit <laughs> go back there very much. Uh, he moved out to the West Coast and our family was all out on the West Coast now. But um, I just wanted to, that little, little side note, little side thing. <laughs> um, so is there anything, you know, you mentioned that now people that used to listen to your music are becoming DJs. Is there something you'd like to say or something you'd like to suggest or a piece of advice you'd like to say to new and up and coming DJs yeah. and producers to watch out for when it comes to making their career successful? Um, one thing I do notice is that, a, and every young DJ goes to this, you finally realize, hey, I could play these tunes and da-da-da-da-da, and people should book me, and I'm good and that. Slow down your ego. Slow, Slow down. down. Slow down the ego. Slow down the <laughs> ego. You're DJing. And I think a lot of people have to remember what DJing is. You're playing music. You're not making the music, you're playing music and you're basically bringing forth an atmosphere for people to enjoy. Don't have an ego about that. Don't, don't have an ego about that. And I see that a lot with younger DJs and then they hit a wall. Why am I not getting books? You're not getting books because you put out this energy that it's all about you. And you're not you're not giving thanks for what you're doing. And I, you know, there are a couple couple of friends that I have. Um, I'll see their posts on Facebook. They they're talking about what other promoters are doing, and this that and the scene here. And it's like, don't waste your time. I mean, these are things that that people told me after the fact, and I wish that they told me beforehand so I didn't make an ass of myself at a point in time and more people would have wanted to work with me. When you act that way, people don't want to work with you because they figure you're a drama queen. So other things, absolutely talk about it. Talk about politics. Actually, no, don't talk about politics. Talk about, <laughs> we all learned that. Don't talk about politics or religion. Talk about other things. You know, talk about, you know, society and, and bettering society and our education system and stuff like that. But do yeah. not chastise your local scene. Don't shit on your local scene. Don't do it. Don't don't do it. Don't I'm do guilty. It. I'm guilty, but you know it was only after. Unfortunately, you know it's like you go out there with a with a good heart and a good mindset, and then you have those toxic people in the scene that just want to try to tear you down, and yeah. you find yourself battling against it, and you're like, "WTF?" And then people think you're crazy because you're calling it out, and then they don't want to be next to you because you're the crazy guy calling it out because they want it. They don't want to align with you because it might not get them any bookings. But then. In our scene here, I don't want to say 
I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. I don't play in that anymore. I do try to stand up as a voice of saying, if you see something wrong, say something about it um, because that shouldn't happen. But um, it's all trying to, it's all exposing itself now. It's all coming out now that the people that were doing this behavior are now being called out for it. More people are coming yeah. forward with their voice and saying, yeah. I do see this. And they come back to me and say, you weren't crazy, were you? You sounded crazy online, but you really weren't. You were you were hitting it right on the head. And and, and because of you, I have a little bit more strength of speaking out about that. That, that There's way, Absolutely. But. There are ways to absolutely go about doing that. Now, if this person is a sexual predator, which we've had, you know, I've seen in many scenes or they're they're engaging in activities that are harmful. Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, where. And even in that reproach, don't use social media to chastise it. Get a group of people together and then you all come together and make, with a plan. You yeah. know, it's just the newer DJs, the newer DJ ego, and we've all suffered through it is is can ruin your your whole your whole thing. And you got to you got to take a step back and look at what you're doing and look at you in the scope of everything and say, you know what? I'm going to chill out and I'm just going to work hard and shut up. Yeah. I, I, I hope people understand when I make these joking posts on Facebook that I'm learning how to DJ. I'm playing next to Tiesto next week. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I am joking. I am literally making a joke. I, 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 I actually stay away from it only because not the fact that I don't think I couldn't be a good DJ. I, would, I wouldn't have an ego about it, but I got so much other stuff going on and the stories I've heard by interviewing and talking with so many DJs over the years that it can be a part. I mean, it's, it can be a full-time job where they're spending three hours a day looking for tracks. Then they got to go back and make their mixes for one show that they're playing once a month. And that could take up a lot of time. And it's like, do I have the bandwidth to do that? When there's so many other people, why do I want to put myself in the spotlight like that? When there's so many other people that deserve to get the spotlight, deserve to be out there, that put in the hard work, the time, you know, that have to deal with the, the nepotism, the politics, the everything and the grind in the scene. I just want to make it easy for people to say, come on over here and play. Come over here and have some fun. Get on a show and, and, and show the world what you're doing. Show the world what you're all about. And if you like it, come back. And if you like it again, you want to be a resident? All right, great. Come on the bus. Let's all ride and go on this journey. And it's going to be fun together. Um, you know, and, and that's, I, I've run into the, the ego, uh, many times, uh, you know, and I, I could, I, we could, we could talk a whole nother hours on that. Oh, and real quick, the other thing, the other one I want to mention yeah. is older DJ ego. You're not going to be obsolete guys. Relax. Just keep yeah. doing what you're doing. You know, a lot of older DJs, it, it, you, you feel like when there's new, new talent coming in that you're going to get overlooked. If you keep saying, I'm going to get overlooked, guess what? You're going to get overlooked you because overlook. you're, you put that energy out there. So instead, you know, big these people up and just do your thing. I, I think a lot of DJs have to learn how to become secure in themselves. A lot of people need to learn how to become secure in themselves. You're playing music. The music's going to speak for itself. It's going to speak for itself. So yeah. just enjoy what you're doing mm -hmm. and shh. The word, the word that comes to mind right when you said that, one word, legacy. And are they leaving a legacy or are they threatened by what's coming up from underneath them that they don't want to support it, which then they don't support it, which then there is no legacy. 
and they're not passing it down. There are a couple people that have really got attuned to that in our local community recently. And they're like, I'm done playing with the people. They love them. There's no, I mean, but they're like, I'm done playing with the people that have been doing this for 20 years. I want to work with the younger generation. They're doing new things. They're, they're, they're free. They're, I mean, it's just, it's, that ego isn't there because they don't have it yet. They haven't started to build and to, to help mentor that and say, like you just said, shh. Just I work with all, I work with, you know, the established guys and I work with the new guys and they're right. I love working with new, new kids yeah. and new promoters because their energy is so fresh and they're fun and there's no, they're not pretentious. They don't want you to do this, do that. They're like, you know, I just come do you. I like what you do, you know, just come play. And it's, it's been great. My summer last year was working with a lot of new people, not just in New England, but I traveled quite a bit to the Midwest and, and Florida. And I love it, you know, and I think more more people have to just let go and broaden their horizons. And, you know, that's also what electronic music is about. When I first started going out, I remember one of the people in my entourage was about near 40. I'm pretty sure now they, hopefully they're still alive because they they would be a little old, you know? <laughs> but I mean, that whole like collective of different experiences should be there. It really, really should. So Yeah. Do you feel that live streaming over the last two years of what happened with everyone jumping online has kind of broke down a lot more of the barriers because you had back two years ago when I was live streaming and we're just getting ready to get positioned to go to the front page of Twitch again, we're Twitch featured partner and getting ready to go up there. All of a sudden this hit and I saw everyone in the world, everyone from the top of the top to the, the brand new jump online and do streaming. And I went, Oh, now you all get it. Now you, and I, my phone was going off the hook. How do I do this? How do I do that? How do I get around copyright? How do I, and I'm like, why don't you just come on my show? And I got this all taken care of. And everyone wanted to do their own thing. And I supported that. I said, you go do your own thing. And I, I wouldn't, I didn't turn off my phone. I didn't say no to anyone. I wasn't, no. And I hate, I was like, okay, you're going to find out what I've been doing, dealing with for the last 10 years. And it's going to be an awesome process seeing you all go so through I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to blow your mind. So DB <laughs> girls, one of the first things that, they were doing before they brought me on the crew they would um have me do these guests uh you stream streams you stream <laughs> oh man oh man um you <laughs> stream was wow um yeah so when facebook introduced facebook live i said okay you know this is cool but facebook live had you know it's it's thing with bmi and ria so if you played certain tunes, you were getting flagged. So it's like, uh, so when the pandemic hit and then Twitch came around, it, it, it really opens a lot of doors for a lot of DJs and open doors for me that, that really opened doors for me because I did one stream and someone saw it. And then I put out a tune. I ended up in DJ Mag hospital records, the hospital records hits me up and they're like, we want you to do a guest stream. And I'm just like, what? Okay. I did a guest stream for them. You know, I got signed to two different agencies and, and it's been great. Yeah. You know, if you utilize your time before that in marketing yourself and people knew who you were anticipating your next move and sort of 
knew you who you were when the pandemic hit and you were started doing you didn't have to twitch stream all the time but if you did it did it enough you went like this look at d nice mark Ribble. nice i love d nice yeah i know mark <laughs> yeah mark revelette oh man mark yeah i saw him in sh- i finally saw him in show here when he was in seattle just recently yeah. I love that guy. Love that guy. Another guy <laughs> who I've been following forever for in terms of House Bob Sinclair. A lot of people didn't Bob know Sinclair. who he yeah, a lot of people didn't know who he was until mm. the pandemic because he started doing these Sunday like brunch house mixes yeah. for hours and it was great. But these are people that utilize their time. But then a lot of people saw that and they worked hard to get you know their their credentials up or get you know their notoriety up and it works worked well for them there are quite a few people who i know who were relatively unknown before the pandemic and now they are so yeah it's it, it's a good tool it's a great tool you don't have to overutilize it that's the only thing that i would say some people should really st- step back from you don't need to do every set that you're doing on Twitch or Facebook Live. Don't do that because you want to have material that's great. Um, you don't want to have, you know, just you spinning for 15 minutes and then it stops because the stream drops. Don't do that. Make sure your streams, like whatever you have on Twitch, even if it's one, is great. That's it. That's all yeah. you have to do. Yeah. And 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 we follow, we, we get a lot of uh, stuff sent to us that people aren't aware of uh, that is coming out in the streaming world where, you know, you go to, you mentioned Facebook live, YouTube, um, you know, where they're already active monitoring things and taking down streams as they're live going, you have copyrighted content. We're taking this down. And there are some changes coming out. We're going to see what happens as they roll out um, and see what happens to that end see what happens to that when those changes do come yeah. about what I, I call it the third great whaling um when everyone's like, ah! I know mix, yeah i know mixed cloud and live is supposed to be yeah. one solution because they already yep. have the licenses so yeah you know i am I'm, I'm looking at that moving over to that i didn't really i, I knew Good. twitch was going to go that route that's why i don't really have content on my twitch i yep. don't um, I have one stream on there, and when I started seeing friends get their their channels shut down, or you know, you go to some of their videos and there's no music there, I said, nope, 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 nope. I'm gonna wait, and I'm I'm waiting for Mixcloud Live to refine. But I, like you said, I know that there's changes coming to the recording industry, so we'll see what happens. I'll tell you, I can sum it up for you very quickly. Because of what happened in the EU. They got rid of what's called the safe harbor rule, which basically said these companies like Twitch and YouTube and Facebook, they can't monitor what's being thrown up to them at all times. So they are not held liable because they're placed in a safe harbor that if there is somebody that uploads something and they make a process for it to be taken down, they don't get held liable for it. The EU just did away with that safe harbor and said you are now liable if something goes up there which means they have to now go to active monitoring with the stream and going, we detect this. You don't have the rights. We're pulling it down and the recording will not exist because they have the ability to keep what's called a VOD or video on demand on their site. And if it stays up there for one second, one second, they can now be named in the lawsuit against them. So that's where active monitoring comes in. Twitch has been profusely sending out emails to everyone saying, 
we are looking into these. We are doing this. This is what's going on. But in a small little paragraph, people were paying attention. It says, we are looking to start active monitoring our streams for copyright conduct. Now, this is because Twitch, I can go off on this for hours, but I'll try to be really quick about this. Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, they all store video on demand. And that's where the problem comes in because you start getting into music sync. You get synchronization rights and master use rights and all that with video on demand. And so because the opportunity exists that a video could live there, they have to have that. Twitch has a little button in your settings that says store my video or do not store my video. And the question is, is if you say do not store my live stream, will Twitch actively monitor? Because of what's called ephemeral use, you can you can play it one time in a live broadcast. And as long as it never exists anywhere else ever again, you don't have to get licensing for that. So if that little switch is turned off and you're not going to, the video cannot be recorded or stored because the only other way to get a video up there is to upload it to Twitch, which then they will scan it and say, nope, will they still active monitor your stream? Just jump over to Mixcloud. Mixcloud does have it right because Mixcloud stores no video whatsoever. They stream live, but then they pull the audio from your mix and put it in And then you have to go back manually and add your track lists in. And then they pay everyone based upon the track list that they've either detected or that you put in. Mixcloud will be where everyone moves to $15 a month. I only know this because I interviewed the CEO. (laughs) He heard about us in a podcast last year and I interviewed the CEO and and his friend from a friend. It was really awesome how he found us and talked to him about this. And we're now a Mixcloud featured partner. Um, we still, we can't stream to Mixcloud though, because of our contract with Twitch that says you can only stream to Twitch as a featured partner. You're not stream, you can't stream to multiple places and your videos have to live here for 24 hours, blah, 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 all that fun stuff. But anyways, I just wanted to give some little breakdown on that, that I do think once the third great whaling happens, that's when people start getting actively monitored on Twitch, like Facebook and YouTube, there's going to be a huge push to Mixcloud. Yeah, And they got the platform, like you said, they have the licensing for those audio mixes to be placed up there. Yeah. And they are paying the royalties out to the, the content providers. And really, it comes down, I think you only need, I think it's 300 subscribers for a year. And Mixcloud will pay for itself, I think, is the model. That's oh. uh, at five, like $3 or $5 per subscription hmm. or something like that. And it ends up paying for itself. So you're really out there, get your subscribers over there, get your people over there. And then boom, you got a platform to live stream on and keep your mixes on. I will definitely I be looking into that personally. Yeah. yeah. Check them out. Really great. A good team over there. And Mixcloud was built. Here's my shameless plug for them. They were built by DJs for DJs is kind of their time. They were. You know? and, and, and so we are excited when, when we thought they were jumping on board of the live streaming we're like, oh, what's Mixcloud going to do? And we looked at it and it's like, all right, cool. This platform's awesome. You know, but I think a lot of DJs, early on DJs, they look at a $15 a month price tag and they're like, I shouldn't have to pay to play. And it's like, oh, okay. Do you have a website? No. Okay. You got SoundCloud? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But it still is, is, is I think the ones that decide to do that, you'll see a lot of people go away. And you'll see the ones that want to rise up and go 15 bucks. I'm on it. You know, it's nothing, you know, uh, I know we digressed a little bit <laughs> in the live stream and all that, but I could talk for years about that. I can't stand um, You know, uh, jumping in a little bit before we, before we let you go here, two 
well, actually four letters, two letters and two letters, VR and AR. Have you experienced or done anything in a VR environment? We know you do live streaming and videos online, but have you done anything with VR or taken a look at what's going on in the VR realm, virtual I reality? Have, I have just not really related to music, but I have with other things. Um, VR, not so much AR yet. I haven't looked into the augmented reality stuff. That, that actually, I'm not really comfortable with AR just yet. I need to understand VR a little bit more, but... You know, I've always wondered, um, I produce music also. Um, I'm signed to a few labels. I have a few tunes out and I have some projects coming at the end of the year. And I wonder how that can be applied to music production, like utilizing Ableton. It would be awesome if I could put on an Oculus and produce beats like that. That would be, that would be amazing. Man. Yeah, that? that's, that's, that's something I just got. Um, there's another company, shameless plug, love them to death. Uh, Hello Wolfie. And they just made an AR experience for your social media campaigns where you can, when if you had the glasses on, I mean, right now they were doing a demo, but you can do your, your stuff in an AR environment with everything going on. And I mean, it's like, it's like your virtual desktops in front of you in my office that I'm sitting in right now. And I can be like, okay, make this post go here and make this one go here and launch this one here. And so AR is going to cut, the devices aren't there yet. And VR just became how would I say mass publicized? You saw Facebook or, or Meta advertising during the NBA games last year. It came out Christmas, the Oculus 2. My mom wants an Oculus 2 because her boyfriend got an Oculus 2. Her, his nephews got it and I want to play it. And I got her on Beat Saber. I got her playing First Steps. She's like, this is cool. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm all about synth riders and Beat Saber. And, and we're actually building a VR nightclub. And doing some really awesome, yeah, we got some really awesome technologies and stuff going on in the back end. I can talk with you about offline. I can't talk about it out, out in the loud <laughs> because it's going to, it's going to, I'll tell you right after, after the interview wow. what it is, but it's going to be some awesome stuff. But um, yeah, we're really excited to see what, and, and that's why I hear a lot of producers are saying, let me do music creation in VR yeah. and then be able to do, do throw yeah. sounds around the room. Yeah. Like, like you can have yeah. a person over there and you're like, yeah. And here's, and you, here's the reason why. And uh, like, I, you know, I don't know if you're, if you produce music also, but I studied music <laughs> composition for a very long time, classically trained in piano, even though I forgot a lot of that, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I do remember a lot of it. Um, and it would be amazing to be able to see it a little bit more you know okay here's this vst i want it to sound a little bit more like this so how can i just do that and you know the the technology will make it so that things are a little bit more automatic so that you're not twiddling buttons you, you kind of say make this sound like a trumpet okay it sounds like a trumpet you know it's 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 awesome that would be yeah, awesome i mean or you know like if you have like a virtual desktop of ableton or a virtual desktop of logic that you yeah. could then like, like your instruments could almost be visual Like, like there's a visual representation that you're being yeah. able to tweak with it and yeah. kind of move around a uh, yeah. rolling back in the day. Actually, it's funny. You had said I produce music or not. I don't produce music, but back in the day I had a, a, a Roland MC 505 and a Roland SP 808. And I would just dink around on these things. You know, I had a sampler and a sequencer. And we sit in my buddy's room and in, in, in his in his living room and we just make beats and he's like, that's dope. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm tweaking this knob and playing this out. But they had something called the V 
Oh, it was the VB, the V beam, I think. And it was almost like a, um, a them- what's that, 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 that thing that people. Thamarin. They, thank you. One of those, it was kind of like that, but you could do it with your hand and it had two beams that would shoot out and one control one ass. Like you could basically control a knob by moving your hand up and down. So you could actually live perform and live do change parameters by doing that. And you remember the movie, um, Denzel Washington, Russell Crowe, virtuosity. When Russell Crowe's in the nightclub scene and he's making music and he's like, he samples the audience, the people that he's holding hostage. And he's like making these sounds going and, and like putting his hands over these things and making this whole music track. And could you bring that into like a VR environment where you're having a live performance of somebody making live like drum machines and everything going on for a full shot. That's going to come. That is, that's out there. Yeah. I mean, tri- tribe is out there. It's probably going to how I'm going to learn how to DJ is through tribe in VR. Um, I was just talking with somebody last night about it, but that's, that's DJing. We're talking about actual music composition and being able to pull thousands of instruments into your repertoire and then have them. I mean, it's going to, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Or even real quick, the audio engineering experience, a person who masters a tune, you can set your parameters a little bit more clearly. Okay. I want to hear what this is going to sound like in a concert hall. And you really can set those parameters. So you know what it's going to sound like in these different environments. And if your tune is mixed down and mastered up to par, it could be really a great thing for anyone who's involved in music production or. It would be awesome if somebody could go in and, and they Apple did this for logic. They won't say where they went and did these, um, they went and they set microphones around all these rooms to get the sounds for like big hall or concert hall. They wouldn't say where they did them out, but they did this at some very prominent places, the, the back end rumor, but it'd be cool if like nightclubs could go in and map their sound and then, you know, or something you can say, okay, I know what this is going to sound like in this club, you know, here, but I'm doing it in virtual reality. I'm in a virtual and I'm going to walk around. I'm going to go to the back of the club. I'm going to go to the front. I don't know. It's something that's going to be really awesome. I know, Lots of names are looking into this as the next thing. And AR is also going to be the next thing. It'll just add even more to a live performance as well. That's going to be something to, something to watch out for. Um, on that note, I know uh, you, we've been having a great time talking. Uh, is there anything else you want to let our DJ Sessions fans know about? What's going on? What's coming up with you? Um, I have quite a projected busy schedule coming up this summer and uh, hopefully I'll be out in the West, the West side, um, California um, and the Midwest and the UK this year and Canada. Do you ever, do you ever do anything down in Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona? Okay. Well, we'll, we'll talk offline. We got some, got some things happening down in Phoenix, got some things happening in Seattle. Um, yeah, it definitely would love to, to see you out here. Get to meet you in person. Are you going to be going to any of the major festivals this year? Maybe, maybe. maybe. Um, I know that EDC definitely has piqued my interest. Um, Bonnaroo looks amazing, but that, that's just too many people for me, man yeah yeah that that festival if i could go if i could go on sunday i would but that is just too many people um i was contemplating burning man but that's too much of an uh, um, commitment so it looks it's looking like edc it's going to be <laughs> you know we were we were at edc in october first time was there 
we got really inspired by the art cars, the smaller little stages that were there. And um, the guy I work with out of Arizona, talked with you about off show, uh, they're opening up a huge event center in Arizona, probably like 7,000, 8,000 person capacity, multi-room. They already got it. It's in, it's, it's awesome. I can't wait to launch it with them in so many ways and work with them. But um, we're talking to, to EDC, to Insomniac right now about doing our own small stage at EDC 2022, 2020. That's awesome. Yeah. This year they've already hit back and said, what's your stage design plans, all that fun stuff. Fingers crossed. We, I don't know, make the cut, get in there. Just got to, you know, make something that's really awesome because we have our mobile studio. And that's what inspired me is we saw these art cars from Burning Man there that had a full DJ lighting rig setup and everything. And there was a couple hundred people. I mean, it was in high traffic areas, but a couple hundred people just chilling out, listening to that stage. And we're like, couldn't we do something with our mobile studio and set something up and have DJs on top and be interviewing the DJs in the mobile studio with the crowd back set behind us with a whole show going on. We might even be working with bringing in silent concerts or the silent disco. We do silent Mm -hmm. disco events and bringing that there as well. Lots of cool stuff that I think is going to be happening this year. So sounds like you got a full. I DJed a silent disco. um, Yeah. This past spring. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. We just, (laughs) we just got, um, in addition to our current round of headsets, we had 204 channel headsets. I haven't heard of anyone else having these, but we just got. No, no, they don't. We got four. Cha- Everyone else has three channel headsets. We it's got four three. channels, but check this out. We just got 400 and we're looking to get 600 more seven channel headsets. What? Seven yes. channels. Yeah. Seven channels. And so we went from what we loved calling silent disco. We now call it silent concert. And we're getting to the point where we're going to start going to silent festivals. And doing full on seven stage festivals, we can do multiple, we can do video audio experiences, bringing in AR mixed within that. Um, It'll be really awesome. And being able to stream all these live at the same time and put these into a virtual reality environment where you can go into one of seven different rooms and be around the world in virtual reality with that person on the red channel and be listening to the red room, the blue room, the green room, the purple room, the pink room, whatever room you're in and having a full round trip process. We've actually already developed it and have launched it on our website before of multi-streaming our our stages, our different stages from an event. So somebody could be at home listening to the blue channel. Somebody could be the event listening to the blue channel. And then they switch to the red channel, the event. The person at home gets their social buddy saying, switch to the red channel. Then they're both on the red channel having an experience. But the person at home could say, I'm going over to the green channel tells their buddy, their buddy at the event goes on to the green channel. So you have this round trip, full immersive experience for everyone around the world, for the attendees and the online participants. And then it will be VR as well. <laughs> Lots of stuff going on over here. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be a cool year and cool for future years. And we definitely want to get you back on the show. We'll be reaching out to you here. Uh, you know, try to stay in contact with everyone. That's kind of our... Our thing as well. We want to make sure that we're constantly, constantly being in the know of what, what everyone's doing. So we'll love to have you back on the show again here in the next few months, uh, especially when summer hits and you get into those good mixes, those summertime mixes, not those wintertime mixes, but we want those winter, <laughs> we want those wintertime vibes too. We want those yes. wintertime vibes too. So um, yeah, on that note, where can people find out more information about you and what you got going on? Sure. The best place is SoundCloud um, and then IG. 
I am going to be revamping my website so that the information on who I am and the things I've done is a little bit clearer. Um, I do, I'm also found on YouTube. I do have a YouTube channel, but spell my DJ name, you will find me on Facebook, Instagram, um, SoundCloud, all of those platforms. And that's M-I-Z-E-Y-E-S-I-S. Yep. And is that, is that <laughs> hashtag? Is that, is that, no, that just all one word uh, now. And your Instagram is it's Miss yes. Isis. But even if you put in Miss Isis, it'll come up. So. It'll come up. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, gotta love that good old uh, SEO, you know, that works and type in the name. Poof, Google yep. is awesome. So thank you again so much for coming on the DJ sessions. It was a pleasure to have you. And thank we'll you. be talking to you soon. Yes. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. On that note, don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, hashtag us, the DJ Sessions, or TDJS if you're so bold. It's Miss Isis. Miss Isis. See, I, I almost got it wrong again. Got it. I got it. Got it right. Miss Isis on the DJ Sessions presents the virtual sessions. And you know what happens on the DJ Sessions? The music never stops.